Hello, and welcome to Outnumbered, the podcast. I'm Bonnie. And I'm Audrey. And we're moms to a combined total of 16 kids with two more on the way. Yes, we know that sounds insane, and it usually is. But we're here to share the tips that help us keep our sanity and to share inspiring thoughts that help us get through each crazy day. Uninterrupted conversation is foreign to us, but we'll try. And we invite you to join us on our journey as we find joy in the chaos of motherhood. Hello, and welcome to episode 19 of Outnumbered the Podcast. Just a little heads up before we start today, where our topic is something that you might want to wear earbuds if you normally listen with children in the room and if you are not yet ready to talk with them about the birds and the bees. It's very clean and we have um, a lot of great information for you, but just wanted to give you that heads up before we begin. So pause here, grab a pair of earbuds if you wish, and we'll talk to you in a sec. We're talking about really fun topic today, how to have the talk with your kids. <laughs> That's right. I liked your fun topic. <laughs> a little question mark at the end of that. <laughs> this isn't one that everybody looks forward to. Right, right. Very loaded topic can sometimes be kind of emotional, sometimes kind of embarrassing, but we are going to take it down to brass tacks for you guys. Talk about our experiences, why it's so important to have this talk. We're talking specifically about talking about sex with your kids and um, how to how to best do it and keep that those lines of communication open. So before the humor segment this week, we wanted to start uh, by sharing a review that we got, and we'll do this every once in a while. And we'd love it if you guys would leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps other people discover the podcast too. So um, you can leave a rating that's, you know, swiping across the stars, but actually um, writing a review helps other people find us on on the podcast. So we really appreciate when people do that too. So this reviewer said, this week's topic was one I didn't really think I would be interested in, but the topic was picky eaters. But after 30 seconds of listening, I was hooked. Um, They said, you two just are having so much fun together. I love to listen every week. So thank you for that review. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's nice. Okay. So leading into this week's topic, we are going to start with a humor segment. So we have had a couple of these talks around my house. So my three oldest, we've had the official sit down, explain the birds and the bees, all the things. Um, and a couple of my other ones were still just prepping because they're still young. Um, but my oldest daughter, when we explained things to her, she had way more questions than the boys, which kind of caught me off guard. But I was like, okay, <laughs> this is good, you know, opening up communication, whatever. And so every now and again, she'll still just go, mom, I have another question about that. This and this and this, you know. And one of her, one of my favorite questions that she asked was this. She said, I'm just a little bit concerned about when I get married and sex. I said, why? What's what's the concern? She said, I'm just really nervous that I'm going to want to have babies and my husband is not going to want to do that thing. <laughs> and it just caught me so off guard. I thought, oh, well, that's a cute concern, but I don't think it's going to be something you're going to have to worry about, honey. <laughs> but, but what if mom? I said, well, you can cross that road when you come to it. <laughs> <laughs> Have your kids right. said anything funny to you regarding it, Audrey? <laughs> oh, yeah, we get lots of good questions. <laughs> uh, I, maybe I'll share one later um, after we each share how we how we give our kids the talk or how we go about it. Maybe I'll share one at that point. <laughs> okay, sounds good. 
So today we're going to cover this topic in four separate parts. Number one, beginning with why do we have this important talk with our kids and what are we trying to accomplish? Okay. Number two, um, age appropriate conversations and what do we tell them and when do we tell it to them and how do we tell it to them? Right. Talking to an eight-year-old is a little bit different than the 14-year-old, right? <laughs> or the four-year-old. <laughs> that, yeah, that too. Okay. So number three is how to have this important talk with your kids. And number four is how this relates specifically to them, which includes puberty and changing bodies and um, periods for girls and all that. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so to start with number one, we're going to talk about why it's important to have this talk about sex with kids. I mean, eventually they figured it out on their own, right? I mean, most of us <laughs> did, whether we got a good talk or not. Eventually, you know, between biology and, uh, you know, gym class and all your kids, your friends' dirty jokes or whatever. So what's the point? Yeah, right. I I read, I was reading about some cultures that it's not um, standard for them to have the talk. And the cultures continue. I mean, they figure out what to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. They don't die out. <laughs> right. So um, one thing we think about is what we hope to accomplish um, by having the talk with our kids, um, since they would eventually figure out how it works themselves. So what do we hope to accomplish? And one thing we want to accomplish um, by having this talk with our kids is um, to help them have healthy future relationships. And I think that um, we can present this information in such a way that would hinder future relationships for them. Um, and also I think tied up in that is, um, there's some body image issues that could be introduced at this point or, um, some body positivity or healthy body image that could be, uh, just become the standard at this point, depending on how we handle the talk with our kids. Yeah, I think that's totally true. I'm sure most of us uh, wish things were done just a little bit differently when we were kids, uh, probably regardless of how you were, you were raised. And so this is our chance to do do it the way we think we should have been done with us. Um, another reason that we are doing this with our children is that we open up lines for honest communication and unembarrassed communication. No shame, right? So this has been a difficult one for me because it was not a popular talking point in my house growing up. I think that's probably common for most people, at least of our generation. And so when my kids start asking questions, it it takes real concentration for me to sit there with a totally neutral face or a smile and nod and say, uh-huh, that's an interesting concern. While inside, I'm like dying <laughs> that they just asked <laughs> me that. But they don't know to be embarrassed unless we teach it to them or friends will. But we can, we can actually combat that by staying totally neutral and totally positive about it and say, that's really interesting. That's, a, that's an interesting question you brought up. And along those lines, I think it's also important to realize we don't have to have every answer for them right when they ask. You can say, huh, I never thought about it like that. Let me get back to you on that. And then you can have a minute to think it through and think, wow, how, how do I answer that one? You know, in a very um, age appropriate, positive way. Right, right. Two things I can add to that is that um, I think our generation um, uh, was raised by a generation where there was a stigma or a shame attached to to sex or to the talk or all that. And so that was kind of communicated to us. And that's kind of maybe what we're trying not to pass on to our kids. And then um, we want our kids to feel open to come to us and talk to us about it. Because if they're not coming to us to talk about it, then they're going to go to friends or Google or, you know, lots of places that aren't as safe for them to be exploring this topic as we are. So it's super important for us in our generation and with our technology to keep 
keep in a condition where our kids can come to us with their questions. So we also um, want to, by having the talk with our kids, we, uh, in doing this, we also want to relate our values and ideas and expectations for them while they live in our home. So, you know, if you're in a Christian family, um, probably one thing you want to get across is that this, you know, this is, this is how it works, but we would like you to choose to save this as a sacred thing for after marriage with your life partner, for example, or, um, you know, maybe you have different values and you want to relate something different to your kids. But that is one reason we have the talk with our kids is to relay um, certain types of information to them with our values attached to it. Otherwise, we would just let them figure it out themselves, right? Yeah, uh, for us, those family values are so important, and I am not willing to leave it up to chance to to, to see what they figure out on their own. I want to let them know that this is really important to us, and this is what what we expect from you. And they are always going to have their own choice, obviously. But what they learn at home is, by and large, the what they tend to follow as they get older. You know? Yes, absolutely. We also, along these lines, we want to control exactly what our children hear about sex and how much. And we want them to learn the truth versus rumors. So I'll just give my own example. My mom tells me that we had the talk when I was young. I don't remember much about it. I have a terrible memory. Let's just preface that there. But I do remember for years trying to figure out more about it and just being horrified at the thought of asking a parent. So I would really listen up in biology and like listen to what my friends were saying, but I was too embarrassed to ask my friends too. So it was just kind of pieced together over the years and it was was not the best and most wholesome education, but uh, that's what we're trying to avoid with our kids, right? (laughs) Right. I remember at a summer camp, a friend um, and, or just after, you know, at night that people would tell jokes and the jokes would have a sexual connotation or they would be outright sexual or, you know, jokes about a mommy and daddy. And I'd be like, oh, some of this information is new and (laughs) I didn't know this before. (laughs) You're gleaning everything you can from every joke. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I also didn't feel like I could um, talk to my parents about it. Um, Like I said, from our generation, there was a lot of shame and negativity around the topic when it was talked about. And so we do try to do this in a very open and positive way. So our kids feel free to come to us again with any questions. Um, We didn't have, you and I didn't have the internet um, when we were learning about this topic, but um, our kids do. And that is really an unsafe place to learn about it. Absolutely. I'm telling my kids all the time, please don't Google things. (laughs) Please just ask me. (laughs) If you need to look something up, we will do it together. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And along the lines of uh, shame and negativity around the topic, we need to make sure that we're not passing on whatever issues we may have picked up along the way, right? So embarrassment we talked about, shame we talked about. Um, And it's difficult because for those of us that have really conservative values, um, we might want to be very picky about how we talk about sex and when and where. But the important thing is to give them knowledge along with your set of standards, right? So for example, one thing that I experienced a lot as a child was um, if we heard anything, any innuendo or whatever on TV, that immediately the show was shut down and we don't listen to that kind of thing, which is which is fine. You don't want your kid listening to you know dirty jokes all the time. But I, I then came to associate sex in general with that negativity and that shame instead of saying, oh, that's something sacred we're not going to laugh about, right? Instead of keeping it right. positive and light, it's really easy to drag it into that 
that shame side of things. And that's where we, we do some damage sometimes. So just to, right. to really stay positive and, and upbeat about it. Right, exactly. And I think this is um, what we talked about earlier, like um, just a little bit of he- talking about healthy relationships in relation to this. Like, um, so if sex is a very negative, shameful, um, embarrassing topic before we're married, um, how can it be a healthy, positive, pleasurable um, topic or event after we're married, like just suddenly because, you know, we've said some vows, the, the switch is flipped <laughs> or <laughs> would some of that, could some of that, does some of that negativity and shame, embarrassment, all that, does that come with us into the relationship and, and make it the relationship more difficult? I, I think for me, I've experienced some of that. Oh yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. Um, yeah, that's absolutely true. And those healthy relationships are what we want all our kids to, to end up with. Right. An interesting fact is that many parent, many conservative parents don't want to talk a lot about sex with their children or especially talk positively about it because they think they might stir up some curiosity or get their kid a little too interested. And then they don't, you know, um, end up staying chased or whatever the parents, you know, code of conduct is. But in fact, the research has shown it's the exact opposite that the kids that don't get talked to and the kids that, that have shame or embarrassment around it tend to be more sexually promiscuous because they're curious and they, they want to know. And our bodies are naturally going to teach us about sex, whether we like it or not, because we're these sexual beings that are designed to procreate, you know? And so if we don't give it to our kids early on in a positive, uplifting environment, they're going to seek it out somewhere else. And it's not going to be positive and uplifting. That's for sure. (laughs) Yeah. That's a fascinating, that's a fascinating study to show that because, um, if sex is presented in a very positive way, um, and as a sacred thing, I think that, um, it can be upheld as something to be, um, you know, in, in a positive light, looked forward to in the appropriate situation. And it can be, um, like none of the negativity has to go with it. Right. Right. Well, and, and on the opposite side of that, okay. So let's say that your standards aren't the same, or you do have a kid that doesn't, you know, follow through with that and ends up being promiscuous as a teenager. How is that going to make them feel if there's been nothing but shame and negativity surrounding it for years? You know, you want them to always feel comfortable coming to you. And if they are going to have sex young, to talk about it and to be practicing safe sex and to be able to come to you and, and acknowledge that things didn't go the way you wanted them to, but this is where they are, right? Yeah, that is absolutely true. Like um, future relationships between yourself and your child. Um, Yeah are determined somewhat by how you handle this conversation. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Okay. Moving on to number two, age appropriate conversations, because whether we like it or not, our kids are sexualized at a very young age due to um, the internet, but also billboards and magazines and other kids who have been sexualized at a very young age, even, um, you know, you and I homeschool, so they don't get, sex ed in school, which I hear is starting at younger and younger grades, but they are around kids who do get that information a lot younger. So we have to talk to our kids about, have some conversations with our kids, maybe younger than we would like to. And how do we, what is appropriate for what ages? 
Yeah, I agree. I, I've been kind of bitter about this in recent years because I feel like the world has created such an environment that I have to talk with my children at an extremely young age about the dangers of um, pornography, of sexual abuse, of predators, of these things that my three and four-year-olds sh- should not need to know about. But I have to teach them in order to keep them safe. Um, and so, But what it does do is it opens up the dialogue early, right? And you can talk about these things early, hopefully, and positively. And then when they are mature enough to get the actual talk about, about sex and how it relates to them and their own bodies, then, then they've already been been prepared. Sure. And if you have been talking about it for years, it's not an awkward conversation because you've already been talking about it for years. Yeah, exactly. One of the most important things to talk about to those younger kids, maybe even the most important, is uh, the difference between safe and unsafe touching or appropriate or inappropriate touching. And um, kids as young as three or four who who know their body parts can, can understand this. And to talk about things like Mom and dad, touch your bum when we need to clean you off. Grandma sometimes helps with this. Sometimes the babysitter does. Is this okay? Is a neighbor okay? Is is uh, the doctor okay? If mom's there, etc. So you can come up with your own um, your own rules for that. But we do have some resources towards the end that, that can help you out with that as that as well. It can be a tricky thing, and it's often things that par- something that parents do not want to approach because that means that we're all of a sudden thinking about the potential of our children being sexually molested, and nobody wants to think about that. But the fact of the matter is it's happening and it's happening to kids everywhere and it's happening to kids uh, via people that they know and trust. And so if our kids aren't prepared, um, they, they stand a chance of being being a victim. Yeah, that's very sad, but true. And um, we do protect our kids when we're with them and we have instincts um, when we're with our kids about who's safe and who's not safe. But our kids go into, especially, um, you know, of course, kids that are public school, but our kids, they do go into situations and places where um, they're not with us. And so, and like you said, it usually is people who they know. Um, It's pretty rare that a kid would be molested by somebody they'd never seen before. It usually is someone who has cultivated them, Mm, sad as it is. Yeah. Okay. So the actual talk though, what age do you, do you think is appropriate for having the actual talk? What's been nice for our family is that I've been pregnant for so many years that we're naturally (laughs) talking about babies and pregnancy and all these things. So my kids, it's not like uh, any of the talks come out of nowhere. Um, Most of the time they've asked questions uh, before they're ready for it anyway, like, well, how does the baby get in there? That sort of thing. Um, But generally at our house, we do it right around age eight. That's when we sit down and explain the whole thing. Um, and, uh, and then that kind of leads into, and in the next few years you'll hit puberty and that's what happens then. So generally about age eight for us. How about you? Um, it's, yeah, it's about the same for us. Um, a little bit different because we do have farm animals. And so, um, (laughs) I guess this is going into part three here, but farm animals, it brings the talk into everyday reality. Like sex is just, we have goats and cows and And they're dairy. No. And they have like, they have a lactation cycle, you know, which doesn't continue without breeding. So new life going into them and coming out of them. And then you get milk and we raise rabbits for meat. So all that, it's just kind of a natural part of farm life. And so kids know the basic functions of how it works from a very young age. I mean, as soon as they're out helping do chores. So 
four or five. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and they see that, but it doesn't. Um, all that doesn't include humans, of course, and it doesn't include our values or our thoughts on the topic. So, um, if I feel like our kids don't have an inclination of how it works for humans, um, then you know, around eight or ten we kind of introduced the the idea of, did you have any questions about, you know, what, what it's like for humans or, you know, that humans are the same thing. But again, for us and our family, it's been, um, you know, mom's been having a baby for quite a while. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, and then also having older kids and younger kids, you know, our family's quite spread out. Um, I know that a couple of times teenagers have come to me and say, hey, did you know that so and so younger kid has asked me a couple questions and maybe you need to maybe you need to talk to them a little bit about this. So. Well that's neat though that your younger kids feel like at least they have a sibling they can go to um, and they feel, you know, there's enough trust there to ask some questions they might feel a little bit awkward about asking you. That's cute. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, okay. So that leads us into part three, which is having the talk. Um, and we're gonna explain just a little bit about how we do this. So in our family, We've tried a few things. Again, we've only done it with three kids because those are the only ones that are over eight right now. Um, But generally, I try to make it a pretty relaxed environment and I try to do it when we are not, when we're engaged in something else. So on a car ride or if we go out and have some ice cream or we're shopping or something where it's a relatively private situation, you know, not in the middle of a crowded food court or something. But also if it does make my kid feel awkward, he can look away and not feel like I'm sitting there staring at him in the eyes because you just never know. Each kid reacts so differently. Like I said, my boys have been a little on on the standoffish side and just kind of go, oh, that's weird. (laughs) And my daughter was just all in. Oh, really? Okay. That's interesting. What about this? What about this? What about this? So to just be prepared to sit and listen and ask questions or answer questions if you need to, but also to not make it too intense for the first time. It should just be an opening of communication and not like a one and done deal. Right. Absolutely. And so because for us, because it's a kind of a natural part and they see it happening and ongoing, then, um, <laughs> then, um, like every once in a while they'll have, they'll have a question. So like, we'll be out and, um, we'll have, you know, maybe just put the female rabbits in to visit their husbands and then they go back. And I remember one time, okay, so here's my humor segment. I remember one time, um, I don't remember which kid it was <laughs> good thing for them. Cause I know they listen to this podcast. <laughs> But um, one of them said to me, so mom, I hope it's okay to ask you this, but like, does dad jump on you the way that the boy rabbit jumps on the girl? (laughs) Like, uh, I hope not. (laughs) You're not a very big person, Audrey. (laughs) Uh, Because the rabbits can be a little bit rough about it. I mean, sometimes. And (laughs) so then, you know, but that's the point where you don't, you don't laugh and you don't ridicule them for it and you don't you know, belittle them or make you fun of their questions. You can laugh about it later when you tell your husband. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, and, to, and to really appreciate their innocence and you say, that's an excellent question. Sometimes the animals act a little bit like animals, right? They're wild and crazy. Yeah. But, um, and then that brings it up an important part Um, When talking about sex with our kids, it's very important that we don't leave out the emotional aspect. And sometimes with younger kids, they might not be ready for that. But I love talking to my kids about how um, it's a huge part of connecting with my husband. And obviously, it's up to you how much you (laughs) share. But I think it's really valuable that they realize it's not just this purely physical thing like with animals, that it keeps us 
connected emotionally. It helps us show love to each other. And that it's this wonderful thing to look forward to. Yes, absolutely. Um, I know that with my teenage daughters, I've let them read some of the marriage help books that I've read and um, just to get them the perspective on how different it is for humans than animals. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to share um, how we've opened the conversation with a few of our kids. Um, I think that that's really awesome that you guys have the farm life to open things up. Um, and actually, the first time I talked with my oldest, it had to do with chickens as well. <laughs> he, he had actually asked, <laughs> how come some eggs are eggs and some eggs are baby chicks? And I was like, that's a good ah, question. Good. And we actually looked it up together. We looked up the life cycle and we looked up how they copulate and all the things, which I did not know myself because I'd never had chickens. Um, <laughs> and and it was a really great experience. It was a part biology lesson and part uh, having, the, you know, starting the talk. And I also uh, feel like it's important to say that we don't need to offload all the information at once. Sometimes, like we said, just a five-minute quick little conversation about something that they're asking questions about is perfect. And then maybe in another couple of months, you say, hey, remember when we were talking about that? Or or another topic comes up, we can say, yeah, that's related to what we were talking about with the chickens, remember? Humans do that too, and but there's a little bit more of an emotional aspect, et cetera. Uh, and then that can lead us into talking about puberty. Uh, like I said, pregnancy is a great way to open things up. In fact, if you've ever been pregnant, you've probably had a toddler ask you, how did the baby get in there? <laughs> or, or something equally <laughs> awkward that you don't know how to answer to a three-year-old. <laughs> um, but again, but, but that also applies to three-year-olds. Don't feel like you have to spill all the beans at once. You can just say, oh, daddy helped me get it in there. <laughs> yeah. Moving on. Yeah. And usually that's just enough for them. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, I think that for us, um, this whole sexual knowledge has been a journey. Like we had, we didn't get it all at once. We certainly didn't get it when our parents gave us the talk, but obviously some of what you and I are saying is that we have, we have learned and we have read books and we have grown and we have changed. And uh, so giving them all the knowledge at once, like it wouldn't even be helpful to them. So that moves us on to part four, which is how does having this talk with them affect them um, now and in the future? Right. So for them, the next, the way that this is going to affect them first is puberty. That's the beginning of their sexual journey um, when their bodies start changing and they start maybe experiencing some of these sexual feelings or thoughts. And um, anyway, their physically changing bodies can be scarier scary without prior knowledge. Right, exactly. Um, Something that my husband has taught me about teaching the puberty aspect to our kids that I've really appreciated is to make sure that you do it with just a little bit of humor. So like you say, it can be a little bit scary. And this was also a really freaky thing to talk to my parents about. Uh, My mom, let's be honest, Mm -hmm. my dad and I never talked about any of this. But, um, (laughs) you know, for example, uh, my husband will joke with my boys, well, when you're a man like me, you'll get some armpit hair and then you'll know you're really a man. And we all kind of laugh, ha ha ha. But it it, it prepares them. They know what's coming and they know not to be embarrassed about it. They know that that's just a fact of life. And soon I'll look like my dad and the girls will look like mom and and that's totally okay. Um, And so I've really, I've really appreciated that that insight that it's okay to joke a little bit about it. <laughs> it helps keep things like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My husband's really good about having humor too in the changing body yeah. 
thing about, you know, like when their voices start yeah, to change, yeah, yeah. you know, and giving enough teasing to make it fun, but not yeah, embarrassing. Not embarrassing. You know? Exactly. Exactly. Um, Same thing with a developing girl figure, yes, you know? Yes. And that's a tricky one, especially for moms. I think it's just, it's hard for us to watch our girls grow up. I think at least for me, more so than my boys. I don't know why it's just like, oh, Oh no, no, <laughs> I'm not ready for this. <laughs> um, but that brings us into specifically talking to girls about puberty. Um, that's a big one because number one, our society sexualizes women's bodies about a thousand times more than men's. And so I think maybe that's why it is harder on on parents to see their girls grow up because all of a sudden we see maybe what strange men might see, that your daughter's developing breasts and hips and and all of a sudden you're afraid for her future and you want to protect her, right? Um, yeah. and, and sharing information about menstruation and um, the potential to get pregnant, all those things, they're really loaded topics. Um, but one thing we did want to mention regarding this aspect is is whatever we share with the girls, we should also share with the boys. So I think it's really important that the boys understand what's happening to the girls and the girls understand what's happening to the boys. Um, just like a biology lesson, because then they're prepared for their own future and their own relationships. They know what's happening and they know where their what their responsibility is in that, in that role. Um, anyway, I just, I just really like the idea of making sure that both parties know what happens to the other one. Yes, exactly. Um, we use a book. There's a specific book that we use, and I'll, we'll link it in the show notes that we give to our girls to help them understand um, the whole thing, the whole process, their bodies and their um, ha- what happens uh, physically and how they're going to feel and all that, that they can kind of read through. It. And it is kind of like... Th- we can read the book together with them or we hand them the book and we let our boys read the book too. But one thing we introduce at this stage when we talk about girls and periods is um, we try to introduce some body positivity, how, why um, your breasts develop and why, you know, you start having a period and it's for the, um, the whole purpose is for childbearing. <laughs> it's not, it's not, a, it's not a, um, well, how do I say that? It is kind of a sexual thing because it involves, I mean, that's how life happens, but it's, that's not the sole purpose. It's, um, childbearing is the, is the purpose. So there's a dual purpose, I guess you might say, but giving boys this information too. And then we try to also, um, introduce a measure of respect into our boys, like your sisters, you know, they're, they are tender in their chest area. So you can't be as rough with them. They're not going to play tackle football with you anymore because they're, they're kind of tender there. And, and that's so that, you know, their bodies are changing and developing so that someday they can bear children and you need to respect them for that because that's a way that your body doesn't change. And like, you can't ever bear a child and nurse, nourish it, nurse it with your breasts. And so that's something that you really need to respect in your sisters. Yeah, I really like that. Um, It just helps both parties grow up uh, with a a better appreciation of what their bodies are made to do and how they need each other for it. Right. Um, and, And I like that you said that really sex is related to every aspect of our bodies and who we are. Um, and so trying to deny that ends up just kind of coming back at us, right? Um, the trick is to do, to do so healthily. And I think in our society nowadays, they really like to separate sex from families, 
right? Sex is all about pleasure and my own personal pleasure and not worrying about anybody else or the consequences or anything else. And I don't want my kids to grow up with that attitude. I want them to grow up to realize that their bodies are amazing, miraculous things, that they are designed to create babies together with with another person that they love. And it is a miracle and it's wonderful and it's to be used in specific circumstances, right? When they're ready for the for the consequences that come. Um, and, and by separating those things, the, the childbearing from the sex, I think really can end up with some causing some harm. Yes, uh, exactly. And then moving on to boys and their development. Um, this doesn't, this isn't quite as dramatic change, um, as a girl getting her period. Um, and it, because it kind of seems to come slower, you know, their voice, they don't wake up one morning and have their voice suddenly change. Like a girl wakes up one morning with her period, um, or, you know, in one day gets her period, but boys, they, they develop slower, but still it's, um, we introduce it this, you know, we talk about it in the same way, why their bodies are changing and developing. So it is for the purpose of child, child, um, not childbearing, but child procreation yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that they, um, they're changing and developing too and becoming a man. And, and my husband's really good at, um, being an example of what a man is and what it should be and something that they look forward to my boys. But then we also like to give that information to the girls too. Like, you know, your brother is changing in ways he's getting hair on his chest and you won't. Maybe, hopefully. Sorry. Oh, dear. Are we going to offend somebody if we don't edit I don't that know. out? <laughs> Maybe just say more a little less. <laughs> yeah, somebody's going to say, I could still be a woman with hair on my chest. Whatever. <laughs> uh, anyway, and we teach our daughters... We teach our daughters to respect the ways that their brothers are developing into men too. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, I think lastly, the most important thing is that when we talk about sex with our kids, we're teaching them respect. We're teaching them kindness. We're teaching them awe and we're teaching them love for their bodies and the bodies of of those around them before the world can poison them. Um, and the world does that in so many ways. And like we said, teaching pleasure over, over unselfishness in teaching, um, you know, that sex is the most important thing. Um, and, and so being able to instill that, that beauty and that love for bodies in our kids first thing is, is a great privilege. It really is. Yeah. I loved what you said about, um, the connection between sex and child, childbearing procreation. Um, because I think it's a very intentional targeted, um, separation of them in, the news and in the culture that we live in today. So if we can make a very strong connection for those two, between those two for our kids, I think we're setting them on the right track really. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Yeah. So we're going to wrap up with our recommendations for this week. Um, I recently, um, got the books, good pictures, bad pictures. And this isn't specifically sex related, but, but, uh, more, uh, about pornography. And you may have heard of these books before. I'd heard of them for years. Lots of my friends have used them. Um, and I love them for starting the conversation, especially really young about, uh, protecting our kids sexually. Um, they have both a junior version, which I think is 
is for kids um, four to seven, somewhere around there. And then the regular version is for kids about seven to 11. And it is just so well done. It talks to them about uh, how their bodies think and feel. And that if you see a bad picture, specifically pornography, that you might feel good feelings or you might feel ashamed, but this is what to do. And this is how to protect yourself. And anyway, highly recommend both of those books for your kids. Okay. And my recommendations are two books um, that I talked about previously that we share with our daughters to help them get to know about their bodies better and about what happens to them as they go through puberty. The first one is called The Care and Keeping of You, The Body Book for Younger Girls. And the second one is called The Care and Keeping of You 2, The Body Book for Older Girls. So you can look at the age requirements on those. We have those linked in the show notes and see which one might be better for your daughters. Again, my daughters just found this really helpful, informative, almost scientific way to look at their bodies and what was happening. Okay, so that's it for this week on the topic of having the talk with your kids. Um, Good luck. And it's a very positive thing that you are doing for your kids when you have the talk. And even if you're uncomfortable with it, try not to pass that discomfort on to them, but make it an open conversation that they can come to you and talk about. Yeah, I think it'll pay off. Thanks for listening. Thanks so much for listening to Outnumbered, the podcast. You can contact us at outnumberedthepodcast at gmail.com and find us on Instagram at outnumberedthepodcast. We're so grateful for our listeners and would love it if you take the time to leave us an honest review on iTunes, Stitcher, or any other podcast platform. And don't forget to share the podcast with your mom friends. Can't wait to talk next time. Bye. I hope my husband doesn't kill me. <laughs> I know. I was like, my mother's going to listen to this. <laughs> I know. But you know what? He's the one who pointed that out to me, actually. Yeah, uh, so. yeah. And it's for some reason, it's so much harder for girls than it is for boys. I don't know what I the know deal is. My husband didn't have issues, but I certainly did. Um, I know.